Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of WhoPod. My name is Blair Beveridge, and thank you for once again tuning in. A couple weeks ago, we had Omar. This episode, we have Mia. That's right, we complete the Two Pro Geek doublet. Anyway, Mia's my bro, all right? All right. It's just something we say, you know, we don't expect you guys to understand. It's our thing. Uh, and I'll leave that character over there. Uh, on this podcast, uh, we talk a lot about movies. We, 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 uh, we get into some things that we think is going to be a little controversial, a little unpopular. Uh, but, you know, everybody's welcome to their opinion. Everybody isn't going to agree. And, uh, you know, nobody here means offense, but we stand by our decisions. We just stand by our opinions. And if you have a problem with anyone's opinions on this podcast, you can take it up with me. I'll be happy to have that conversation with you guys. But uh, let's stop teasing the controversy and let's dive into it, shall we? Hoopa, number 41, with the one and only Mia Rosella. Oh, I should start recording, huh? Um, yeah. That. that would I'll be that. quite a lovely idea. Oh, Lord. Okay, I gotta clear my. Are you my brother from another mother, Joey? You went a little bit English instead. Yeah, I'm. I'm across the pond. I'm. I'm your. I'm your brother from another mother. <laughs> You're my sister from another mister. You oh, gone South African. <laughs> oh Lord. Uh, it's funny because I just met. I'm one of my friends that I've just met in the last like few weeks is named Taryn and she's Australian and so every time on the podcast when they would say your name I would like be really tripping out about it no it's like this is Taryn who I just met and it's it's not her it's it's you but it sounds like Taryn when they say your name like I just my mind just like fills it in yeah Taryn I've never heard of a name like that's so close to mine it's cool name right yeah yeah it sounds almost like Tara like it's pretty, but it's got a hint of ferocity in it. Terran. I like it. Terran. And it has like a cool spelling. Like it's like T-A-R-R-E-Y-N or something like that. Oh, wow. So it's another cool name that sounds similar to yours. And so my, I like think that your name is Terran in my head. <laughs> Have you noticed that unusual names are kind of the trend? Again, like when I was at school, there were a lot of Jessicas and Samanthas, but now there's just all these unusual names, even... Felicia Day's uh, daughter, Calliope. Beautiful name. And it's just really exciting to hear other people's uniqueness. (laughs) Um, And my nephews, so my sister's kid, who's just like over a year old, has the coolest name. I think it's so rad, but I was really worried for him that he would like need a normal middle name in case he didn't want to, like in case he was shy, like and he didn't want to stand out. But you're so right that it's, Totally fine because all the names are weird yeah. now. But his name is Ruf. Is his name is Rufio from the movie Hook? Oh, Bugger off. Rufio. Rufio, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he's a real. His his real name is Rufio, and we all were like, "Yes, this is the best idea ever. You should definitely name your child Rufio." We're like, you know, Filipino, and he's like one mm. of the only known Filipino characters and actors. And so, like, all Filipinos are just like all about Rufio. And '90s kids love that movie. So my cousins and my sister and I were like, "Yeah, you have to name your kid Rufio." And then kind of like try to backtrack, like you know, maybe you should give him like a normal middle name Mm. so that in case he doesn't want to stick out or he's like really shy, you know how kids are, just give him like a really short middle name in case he wants to hide. And she's like, oh, that would have been a good idea. 
And we're like, what do you mean it would have been a good idea? <laughs> and then she's like, well, I let um, the dad choose the middle name. And he named him Rizza, like from Wu-Tang Clan, like R-Z-A, Rizza. Rufio Rizza. That's a tongue twister, but I'd still like yeah, it. Yeah, so he's, his name is Rufio Rizza. And it's a stage name. It sounds like he could be a singer. Rufio Rizza. Yeah, he's... It's going to be famous in some way. <laughs> he, I mean, it's just like this kid is the coolest kid now and he hasn't done anything with his life, but he's already <laughs> just so cool by name alone. That's wicked. He's bangerang. We'll see. Bangerang. Uh, because of my very first boyfriend's <laughs> name, everyone thought I made him up because he went to a different school to us. So no one ever saw him. And his name, his name was Sergio. So everyone just thought I made him up. Sergio. That sounds like a made up boyfriend name. Yeah. Like Julio kind of thing. And everyone was like, yeah, no, Sergio doesn't exist. I'm like, I swear he does. I just don't see him because he goes to another school. <laughs> I'm still not convinced that he exists. <laughs> Here's the thing for you to do after this podcast is to look up the Sergio video of John Hamm from, I think it was Saturday Night Live. Yeah, you'll never hear the name again, uh, the same again. It's, it's, I'll, I'll let you experience it all. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that. And welcome everybody to the next episode of Hoopod. (laughs) (laughs) Longest trailing ever, but it was awesome. Um, hopefully some of you guys can recognize the voice we have with us this week, the amazing Mia Rosella. Welcome, Mia. Hi. Yeah, I should have warned you that story was not short. <laughs> so, that's okay. We, we, uh, we've gone for a more kind of relaxed uh, format to these things over the last little bit. I'd say the last half of our, our, our stuff. And I think it's, it's just a way better format. Um, we can thank Ryan Day for that because we knew we could not structure that man no matter how hard we tried. And <laughs> thank, I'm just going to say thank the Lord yeah. because Tierlin and I wanted to break format episode five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the the old guy kept them in format for a while, but uh, I came around. I came around. Um, oh, we were having secret conversations. We were like, it's going to happen, Tierlin. I swear to God. Like, we're going to inch our way there, and then in one episode, it's just going to break down like a wall. Yeah. Just you wait. And then Ryan did it, and I was like, thank you. Well, I mean, the, the structure was not in place for the Ryan days of this world. The structure was in place for those people that were a little bit more reserved and kind of needed structure in order to get through it. Um, oh, of course, of course. Ryan is not that person. <laughs> so, uh, no. And we were good with that. We're, of course, also joined by the lovely Joy Couture. Hello, hello. And the afraid of a mouse, Tierlin Puxty. Hey, everyone. How's it going? No, that was the worst American accent ever. <laughs> oh, that was supposed to be an American accent? Yeah, I just went manly. <laughs> I genuinely, I wasn't trying to diss you. I genuinely didn't. Know. Oh, I was going to say, like, that's some, like, secret under the weather, yeah. like, all tea, all shade. It was titty. Don't yeah. It was, right there. it was, like, my unintentional shade. It was, I was just like, oh. <laughs> oh, I mean, good job. It's so good. And so we'll, we'll call it. It was. It was total Daria. Is what it was. <laughs> That's like the best compliment I've ever received, though. <laughs> I should probably explain what the mouse incident is in case people are just thinking I'm a sulk, but I am. You see, before the podcast started, I was held hostage. Okay, <laughs> I was stuck in my bedroom because one of my five cats brought in a mouse, and it was just in the hallway. So. I couldn't leave the room, <laughs> so I thought I would try and, you know, escape with my hands and my body against the wall and tiptoe past and it just wasn't working. So I'm there screaming to myself going, this is it. Like, I can never leave my bedroom. Then there was a knock at the door and I thought, oh my God, like, what can I do? 
So like Lara Croft, I jumped over the mouse and I sprinted to the door and the delivery woman was there. And I said, I'm so sorry, it took me forever to get here. There is a mouse and I, 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 do, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> so the delivery woman came into my house, grabbed the uh, little sweep bucket thing, whatever. I'm not very domesticated. The thing that you sweep things up in. <laughs> it's a dustpan. Dustpan. <laughs> the dustpan. I'm just going to throw shade. That's, that's shade worthy. Oh, I'm sorry. Time. The mouse story aside, the fact you don't know and what a dustpan is. Yeah, but the green thing. So she got the dustpan and she swept the mouse up for me. And <laughs> she's not always my life. green. <laughs> <laughs> the... <laughs> if you had to describe a dustpan to someone, you'd be like, you know, the green thing. People are like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> God, you made me cough. I'm laughing so hard. Well, you know what? About the whole green thing, though, really quick, is that I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but there are some adults that will say, Oh, yeah, go grab me a green garbage bag. I'm like, they're all black or white. Which one do you want? None of them are green. Are you colorblind? Like, I don't understand what's going on. We have dark green bags. Yeah, green used to be, like, growing up, we always had dark green garbage bags. But you're right. Now, everyone I see is black and white, at least where I am. Here's a weird um, kind of color-related story of someone not knowing the right word to call something. And we're just, like, going off on tangents already. This is just how it's... This is how we roll. This is what this is um, Welcome to the hoopla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, structure away. But, like, the, my friend's dad, um, like, immigrated here from, I think, Israel. And so English was his second language. And this is, like, a story from when, when she was a kid. And he wanted to get them a dog. And he didn't know... He kept asking for, like, a red golden retriever. And he was like can anyone find a red golden retriever? We really need a red golden retriever, which is not a thing. And like people are going, what? We don't know what you're talking about. We don't know what you're talking about. And finally, they figured out, like they found this red golden retriever, which is really hard to find. It's like super inbred and it's like allergic to its own saliva because it's just like this really, really purebred rare dog. Mm. But it turned out he just thought all dogs were called golden retrievers. <laughs> so he really probably meant like an Irish setter or something. Mm. Oh, or just like him. any red dog. Or Clifford, yeah. yeah. But he, just, he just thought all dog. He just thought like a dog was called a golden retriever. Maybe he was oh. after Clifford. And it's the big one of those dog. dogs that's. He maybe he well if he had that book he he would have had a better time understanding the word dog so maybe not but like it's one of those dogs that's so inbred that it was like allergic to its own spit and it had to eat that meat like kangaroo meat like Ira Glass's dog if you guys listen to This American Life. Like dogs that develop allergies to meat as they eat them. Oh, it's horrible. Well, golden retrievers are a sweet breed of dog. We had a golden retriever growing up, but you are right. They are the most inbred, probably anything on the planet. It's 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 sad. I mean, almost all golden retrievers I know have a very short lifespan compared to other dogs. Um, they are super sweet and super loyal, but I mean, that's why we need to thicken up our stock, or else it doesn't work. <laughs> Dalmatians too. Poor Dalmatians. Mm, yeah. They're all messed Dalmatians? up. Yeah. yeah. Thing with Super Dalmatians inbred. that I, I found out is that they easily go uh, can be born deaf. Like uh, nine out of ten of them can be born deaf. I think I even I heard they're one of the more vicious dog breeds on the planet too. They're just yeah. Yes. They have a lot of problems because they got super. So like basically, when the dog when a dog is in a Disney movie, like yeah. 101 Dalmatians, then everyone everyone's kid wants that dog and then they get super inbred because like all the puppy mills make them and yeah. 
then yeah took a sad turn (laughs) speaking of pets you have a turtle don't you mia I don't have a turtle. That is Omar's problem. Oh. I mean pet. <laughs> Sorry. I... Can you can you describe the expression on your face for the listeners at home who can't see it right now, even though I did, and I totally saw all that shade. I know. Time. I'm really coming off. <laughs> I'm really coming off like the most mean and depressing that I've ever come off in a podcast already, I think. I don't know what your guys' interview tactics, like psychological tactics were, but I guess that's... That's just happening. Um, it's I, all it was good. Our ratings are going to go through the roof, darling. It's all good. It's just going to be like, oh, check out this hot gossip session where Mia's <laughs> mean to everybody, <laughs> especially Terrilyn. I, I mean, one of my That's favorite. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite YouTube things you guys were doing was the uh, the the movies that you haven't seen. Um, shit Mia hasn't seen or whatever it was. It was called. Yeah. Um, Mia hasn't seen shit. Mia hasn't so seen close. shit. I could not believe the mass amount of super popular movies you hadn't seen. I'm thinking, well, maybe it's because I'm an older guy and these things came out when I was younger. Um, so it's like everybody watched that when I was my age. But uh, apparently you've seen even less than most of your colleagues. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not. It's no joke. It was we had um, to recap. We had this series that was like part live stream and then we would also do a video of that's kind of like a edited together of the live stream. But it was that I hadn't, it was called Mia hasn't seen shit. And it started because like, I have not seen, it started because I had never seen RoboCop. And then it turned out to be one of my favorite movies ever. Mm. And like, I'm always in those conversations where people are like, what is wrong with you? Like, how have you not seen that? So we did this series to correct that, but it ended up kind of just being like me outing myself every month Mm. of some like really insanely popular movie I hadn't seen. And I think it's because, because I'm also like, I look really young, but I'm older than I appear. So I should have seen a lot of them. And like my parents are such academics, so they didn't want me to watch like, just blockbusters and really kind of mainstream popular movies. So I didn't, I'm missing like a ton of eighties action type movies. I had never seen independence day. Um, anything popular I didn't see. And they wanted me to watch like seven samurai. Uh, it's it, like life is beautiful and stuff like that as a kid. Well, so that's why I haven't seen it. I mean, that's what they were very, they wanted me to be cultured. <laughs> Well, you don't look a day over 15, darling. <laughs> oh, thank you. I feel like you're a Robin Williams character. <laughs> I'm always... Are you kidding? I'm always a Robin... I'm the hot dog from Mrs. Doubtfire. That's that's who I am. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, the reason I like the show, though, is because you're watching these movies that we've all, you know, loved it, you know, earlier in our lives, if you will. And, you know, sometimes movies don't hold up, but other times you still get captured by them and... And it's just cool to see somebody, even so many years after the fact, still get captured by movies that captured us when we were younger. I, I, I don't know. I'm a little nostalgic that way. And I, I always appreciated when they'd show one of these movies. You're like, it was good. And uh, Oh, yeah. I'm, I love most of them. And, and they're usually, they've stuck around for a reason because they're like really good. And I don't, for some reason, think they're good. I mean, I don't know why I never think that they're going to be good. Um, I'm like, oh, whatever, it's silly, it's famous. But then I watched it, I'm like, this is amazing. No wonder people remember this, and no wonder this was so popular. This is so much better than, like, the German expressionist films I was forced to watch. (laughs) 
Uh, just on the socials, I think it was rather earlier this week or last uh, last week. People were throwing around a movie quiz, and there was and one of the things that really grabbed me was name a movie that you think is underrated or underappreciated. If you had to name one, what would you name? A movie that's underappreciated. Like to you, you think it's great, but you think everyone else doesn't it hasn't really given it a real shot, or you know, it just doesn't get it like you do. The happening. That's a, a good question. The oh, the happening. Is that a Every, real answer from you? For me, everyone Do you hates hear the it, shade but... of my face? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the only person in the world who thought that was a brilliant film. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Happen- this is going to sound melodramatic, but I threw up after I saw that movie. I'm not saying it was because of the movie, but I did immediately throw up. Because after it was that bad? Or you just went, it's it was so, so bad. bad. Nauseated. It, it was so bad. I mean, you can draw that conclusion if you want, but there's two facts. One is that I saw the movie. It, the it was the bad acting, two wasn't it? That did it. it <laughs> I don't even uh, know what this is, to be honest. This <gasps> it's M. Night Shyamalan at his worst. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. yeah M. Night. Oh, M. 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 Night Shyamalan? Yeah. Yeah. He's made his comeback, though, in Split. That was good. <laughs> you know, when M. Night first came on the, the, the scene, I actually thought he had really neat perspective in movies, mm. but... Um, I, th- I think when I watched The Village, I really wanted to see The Village, and it was okay. And after that, I just kind of was like, eh. I, I just, I, I, I didn't have that same drive to watch his movies anymore. But the first few I really enjoyed. And I'm told uh, Split is really good. So. Phenomenal. Really good. I heard it was pretty good. Yeah, I heard, I heard good things. My, uh, me and Omar's friend has this, like, thing about M. Night Shyamalan just, that he just uses to illustrate, like, chronological stories or like non-teleological things and it's like if you look at M. Night Shyamalan's career in a different way like in a backwards way you would think he was if you looked at his it like reverse chronological order you'd think he was so talented mm-hmm. you would be like wow he really because his first couple movies are so good mm-hmm. and we talk about like is it fair that he's really so shunned because his first few movies are so good Mm. and if you watched them in reverse you'd be like wow he really came into his own he really like (laughs) grew as a director and pulled it together well i mean he's willing to take risks and obviously if you're a risk taker you're gonna fall on your face from time to time or else you don't make good things so um, I, I've I've appreciated that, but what what is it's happening about? I, I, honestly, I've I've never heard. No, of it's this. called the happening. Oh, the yeah, happening. The, yeah, the about? happening. Yeah. The, the is very important, Blair. So um, <laughs> everyone starts because it's not happening. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> what the f is happening? It's uh, people just start <laughs> randomly killing themselves, and they start just going really really weird. And it's because and this is going to sound stupid, but they explain it very very well. The trees turn on everyone. Do they? The trees so, tell on everyone? <laughs> no, no, turn they turn on, on every, everyone. And the plants and the trees, and they sort of put out this kind of spore to defend themselves, and it makes it, everyone kill themselves. Yeah. It's awesome. So the spore the makes people The plants are crazy. attacking. Okay. okay. The plants are attacking, and the villain of the movie is invisible because it's just like plant spores. So they try to, in the in this horror movie, I'm sorry to just bash on your just all-time favorite movie, Terry. You bitch, no. But it's like not stopping me. I'm just still doing it. The villain of the movie is like, has to be portrayed by the wind because there's no way to like visualize it. So sometimes the wind will come, but then sometimes it's just wind. So you're like, what was that scene? Was it the spores or was it not the spores? It's very confusing. 
I'm not going to like get to, I'll stop <laughs> shitting on it too much. I feel like a little bad for, for Mr. Shyamalan. How about you, Joey? I won't lie. I kind of want to see it now. Not because like of how she's ragging on it, but kind of like, okay, that's actually, you know, the whole spore thing I, I think is actually kind of like a, a new fresh idea. So I'm interested in seeing it. But there's also that side of me now that's kind of like, I want to see how bad this really is. I'm pretty is. sure yeah, I've seen have... that concept in, like, Doctor Who or something else before the spores killing people <laughs> through trees and wind. Maybe I'm... I actually do think it's kind of creative, though, but it's just that the execution of it... Because I think that M. Night Shyamalan is, like, really creative and has this, like, raw talent, but that it's, I think he got too, like popular mm. too early on and then didn't get reined in and so a lot of stuff happens where you're like i am so confused by this and normally any other person would just be like hey that doesn't make sense like when they're watching this news footage from an iphone in the happening and like it's this news footage of a guy going into a lion cage or a tiger cage and then that like lions or tigers rip off his arms like, they're watching this on an iPhone, but yet the whole bar can hear and see it and, like, act, like, as though it's on, like, a big screen TV. That's how you watch it. And everyone goes, oh, no. And it's, like, just stuff, little things like that that make this surreal, campy experience when you're watching it. <laughs> how about you, Joey? What movie do you think is underrated that you loved? I think I might Oh, right. There answer. was a question for this ram- ramble. Sorry. Um... Quick question. Did Tyrion already answer this? She yeah. answered the happening. This is the happening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm trying to remember what. I... <laughs> you don't right, listen hang on, to me, Darren. Hang on. I ha- you don't listen to me anymore. You're right. I don't because for the first part of that conversation, until Mia said the name of the movie, I was like, wow, it must have been that bad that I didn't hear the name of it because I had no idea what we were talking about for half of the first half of that conversation. <laughs> Just tuned it out. <laughs> No, I actually, I took the quiz, and I'm pulling it up here, trying to, anyway. Sorry. Oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, movie I think is most underrated, The New Ghostbusters. Yes. Oh, oh it's no, good. That's, it's I, good. I liked mm, it. It had potential, no. but oh, I was don't sick you of even... the jokes. They were bad. There was, like, oh, so I much toilet it. humor. Mm. Wasn't for what? me. <laughs> what? They just had really crappy jokes. Movie? Yeah, there was just like, I'm sure, I think I watched the same movie. I remember there being a lot of toilet jokes. I thought it was pretty good. I, I have to agree with with Joey on this one. I think it's underrated. I enjoyed it. I, I love it. the fact that they they objectified a male the way that Hollywood likes to do to a female. Yeah. His character was really funny. It, it, he did you a know really what, good though, job. In, in a lot of ways, Chris Chris's character was the funniest character in the show. Yeah, um, yeah, his his character was really funny. Yeah, and I love Kate McKinnon. Oh, Kate! Was, I thought of a movie. Uh, I thought of a movie you're up, you're for up. your answer. Yep. Uh, Cats don't dance. Oh, I haven't heard of that. What's it's that? A, it's an animated movie from the '90s, and there's a lot of those, so I'm sure it just got buried. And it wasn't a Disney movie, but it was about a cat who like goes to Hollywood, and wants to be like a star and kind of a musical like song and dance star and it's and humans exist in this world so like there's a sort of segregation between human actors and human stars and animal movie stars no way so there's this like really interesting sort of like 
um, oppression thing happening to the animals where they're just like not as appreciated. And the villain of the piece is this like fake Shirley Temple, like evil Shirley Temple little girl who's the sounds a little Robert like, the Ro- star. Uh, Roger Rabbit ish. Yeah, but all animated. All animated. Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember this. This was put out by 20th Century Fox, and I want to say like 1994, 1995. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. It's yeah. I think I can actually see the poster in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> There's like the fake, uh, you know, the MGM lion. The version of that in this movie is like yes. an elephant, and so he's a character. He's like this old, tired old elephant who's the mascot, who's like no longer relevant and and the cat is like the young blood who's come to the town to the big city and he like reinvigorates everyone to kind of ask for the rights and like be paid the same and have like equal rights mm. it's really good for me it was big fish and uh like it's a very father-son movie um if you know if you've ever had a mm. if you're a son and if you've never been really tight with your father this thing will probably break you like it did me but um, check it out. I think uh, Ewan McGregor is or Ewan McGregor is best in that. Um, how about uh, there was was one other thing before I wanted to move on. Overrated movie. Your most overrated movie. Mm-hmm. I, I my answer is going to make Omar mad. So uh, <laughs> we'll start with. So actually, no. Let's get it out of the way. Lego Movie to me, most overrated movie I've ever seen. Ah, oh, it's so good. No, see, for <laughs> I me, know it's highly yeah. rated. Yeah. But... Blair, everything so is awesome. You have to no, just deal see, with it. No, see, it wasn't even the song that bothered me. It was, uh, I appreciated the fact that it was an animation marvel. Like, to be able to have all those pieces fly around, that I appreciated from a technical standpoint. I just didn't like the story. I thought the story was mm. bad. Oh, I love the script. I read the script before I saw the movie, oh. and because um, I was, like, working for a company that that we did coverage on the script mm-hmm. and i even without the visuals i loved it so much i'm just here to argue with no it, that's all of the that's fine this podcast no most people know <laughs> oh, i'm loving this no and i'm loving this like i'm rupaul and i'm just listening to all the judges have a cat fight oh i love most, it keep going most pe- i'm very argumentative today i don't know why <laughs> most people in this uh uh community agree with you guys and and i think a lot of it was i didn't have that kind of father who was trying to stamp out my creativeness kind of scenario and 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 i think a lot of the people i spoke to was like well you know i was a very creative kid and it it was just not something my father was ever interested in he just wanted to do his own thing and i had to kind of follow his rules and i'm like oh uh yeah i didn't have that i can't relate to that so i I, and i thought that might have been the reason um Uh, i don't relate to that part of it either eh, i don't know i I just thought it was nice that they made a movie for the kid who needs the character who just needs the model because I really would just rag all over like the fact that there's kits for everything and I thought it was nice. I was like, you know what? Mm. I shouldn't rag on that. Some kids just want the plans and want the models mm-hmm. and it was like the opposite of like Randy and, you know, <laughs> it was really sweet kind of. Because I grew up with Lego and all I got was that like tin. Here he goes, here's a tin of Lego, build whatever you want. And and. And, and I used to go, oh, this is so cool. But I would build the same thing every single time. I would build a car because I had wheels. So I was just like, why do I keep building the same freaking thing every time? And so when I, I got a couple of these Lego sets with the instructions, and I'm like, oh, this is so much better for me. So I'm, I'm one of those guys that needs, you know, to paint by the numbers, I guess, in the Lego world. Um, and yet you didn't uh, relate to that part of the movie. Huh? No, I didn't. I just, I, well, the, the father's like, oh, I get what the father's doing. He's building his sets and he wants them to stay. He doesn't want to have to rebuild them again. And, and all the kid wants to do is be creative and play within the world. And I'm just like, 
uh, you know, I almost kind of get Craggle guy. So, <laughs> so I, 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 that was old Blair, I guess, coming out. Uh, anyone, who else? Most overrated movie that Guys other people busters. think is great. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Okay, we've covered that one. Moving on. <laughs> I would have to say Inception. Oh, oh no, that was so good. And here's why. Because everybody was all about the cool effects and everything else. I'm like, you know what? I'm totally over it. You can do anything digitally. This is going to be so contentious that I don't even want to say it. Look, <laughs> I said on, Lego movie. Oh, this community is going out. to kill me for saying that. I think that the second Batman movie, um, what? What? Dark, Dark Knight, Whoa. is overrated. That's yeah, that's, that's going to get Ledger, you some hate. It? No, that's Heath Ledger's. It is Heath Ledger, and it and I'm not saying that it's bad, but I'm just saying that people, it's so like people gush over it and use it as an example of all these things, and I just think it is overrated. I'm not saying that it's a bad movie. That's yeah, why I'm like this is gonna be contentious. It, yeah. So to clarify, I don't think it's a bad movie at all. But like anytime people are talking about the other two Batman movies, especially they'll like cite The Dark Knight and then they'll just like talk all about it. And they'll be like, the Joker was so great, which I agree, but that's like 15 minutes of the movie. People are like remembering it wrong. Well, the thing, the, the thing I take away from it was this is the role that really pushed Heath Ledger to where he went to, to the, you know, that ultimately led to his passing. Like from every, yes. everything I've heard is he couldn't get rid of this character. He couldn't get rid of what he did to himself because he was a method actor. Yeah, uh, it's tragic. And his and he is the best part of that movie, mm. I think, of oh, the joke. Absolutely. It's really absolutely. like you are watching a work of art. Mm. But I think that that's why the movie itself becomes overrated because then people attribute all these things to the movie when mm. in reality, like, he just did such a good job that you think of that movie as being full of Joker. But actually, there's a bunch of other stuff happening in it. And that stuff is, like, not the best. I don't think that the themes of it or that it's, like, necessarily so much better than the other ones. It just mm. seems so much better because Heath Ledger did such an artful job. I am loving... I'm just loving her honesty. It's so amazing right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm living I'm for you. it right now. <laughs> me is my bro. Yeah, you guys, like, tricked me into this um, <laughs> zone where I'm just really speaking my mind and the internet's going to hate me because I'm like, oh, I know, Blair. We'll, <laughs> we'll just have like a normal conversation as though I'm not on a podcast and I'll speak over everyone. And it'll be like the clunkiest tangential conversation ever. <laughs> you know, I love you, Mia. You're allowed. Uh, anyone who gets offended by opinion, you can have disagreeing opinions on this podcast, but I'm not going to censor anyone that ever comes on here. OK, so you feel free to be you all you want. That's what we want. We want to get to know people. And if anyone has a problem with that, they can take that up with me. Um, moving on. I mean, I'm, I didn't stop, but I just felt <laughs> guilty about it. <laughs> there's, there's no guilt, no guilt needed. Absolutely none. Um, God, what, I don't actually don't remember. Joey, you didn't explain Inception. Oh, Inception. Okay, the, the reason why I say Inception is so overrated is because of the, the praise on the special effects. I'm like, okay, look at Lord of the Rings and what they did digitally there, and as well as The Hobbit, and then look at Inception. And it's like, okay. Digital special effects wise, I don't care. It's crap. It's it's a special effects movie. It's basically a Michael Bay movie for look at what we can do to warp the environment. And it's like we were doing the same thing in the eighties with not with like with like shoestrings and gr and green screen that look way better on screen than some of the stuff that Inception had. Which is why I say it's so overrated. I actually agree with you that it's overrated, even though that's another one that I like. 
See, for, yeah, I like. Oh, the I like the movie. Though, I just but... think that it was it was just pushed over into the overrated category, much in the way that Batman, like you said, was kind of pushed into the overrated. Yeah, like category. it's not the movie's fault. It's it's the way that people are talking about it. Like often when I'm saying a movie's overrated, it's not anything wrong with the movie. It's mm-hmm. just like the way that people have latched onto it. Like with Inception, everyone acted like this was the smartest movie they've ever seen. I mean, that was for, the other thing. See, uh, yeah, I mean, it 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 isn't the smartest movie anyone's seen, and I and I liked it a lot, but I didn't like I it. I did too. I didn't like it for the graphics at all. I thought the I was like, okay, yeah, the graphics tell the story. That's kind of neat, but that that was just kind of a canvas for me. I liked the thought of going deep into in into like an unconscious, and then you know going twice and going you know whatever the case may be. I loved that kind of concept, and I and I enjoyed the concept of it all. And even at the end of it, it's kind of, um, oh, God, what movie is it where you don't know if, oh, it's like Total Recall, the end of the original, the original Total Recall. You're like, well, is he still in his dream or is this real life? You don't know. And and I kind of like that same sort of aspect from, from Inception is that you really kind of don't really know where they are. They give you an inference of where you think it is, but it may not be that. Um, I don't know. I, that's why I liked it. I like those dream movies too, like Eight and a Half or something like that. But people acted, I guess, like that was the first time they had seen that plot. And then I think that's what annoyed me personally. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, there are films in the 80s, like two of which that use both effects and similar instances that pulled off better. And that is Jim Henson's Labyrinth and Mm -hmm. uh, New Line Cinema's Nightmare on Elm Street, for crying out loud. Like, they do a better job. Frankly, guys, they really guys, do. guess what? I've never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. Neither have I. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> you haven't. No, it's all right. We're buddies do again. A thing. Friend. <laughs> Joey, you have a mission. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> it, it, when you when you do finally venture to see it, please don't watch the remake. Please, just don't. Okay. Don't. I'm begging you. Like, if my life depended on it, please don't watch the friggin' remake. The original... It's not the guy that plays Freddy. It's how the final script and edit of the movie came out. I did not like it. It was stupid. They threw out all of the most important stuff. Just don't. Watch the original with Robert England. Please. (laughs) I'm begging you. What's what the listeners at home or in their car don't know is that was so funny about that to me is that everyone else, like, I can see their faces from their computer camera, but I can't see Joey's. And he just did this, like, really genuine, sincere plea. It was like, please, please. And it was just this little icon, just, like, <laughs> pulsating. With, with his hammer in the air and his yeah. shield. And his, Joey would and have his And I started having his... this, like, Kuleshov effect where the, the, like, icon's eyes started looking sad to me when they had not looked sad before. I would have my camera on. The only thing, the only reason why it's not on is because there was an, a, uh, a driver update for it, and I can turn it on, but it's on for about ten seconds and then it shuts off. I have to do a reboot, and that's why I'm. That's why it's not on. <laughs> no, so. it's it's better this way because like your um, what's what's the word I'm trying to Ooh, say? Your your guy's she face. She just doesn't want to see my face at all. <laughs> it's mysterious. You're you like go. the Phantom <laughs> of the Opera. Uh oh. I got a face for radio. I know. <laughs> No, your guy's face is like starting to emote, so that's what's fun about it. It's the blank <laughs> eyes. You could put anything into the blank. Yeah. You guys have no concept of what we're talking about. Yeah, sorry. We shouldn't have <laughs> gone on about this. So, I've got a paladin murloc as my photo. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mia, how does a girl from Texas make it to L.A.? Well, I came out here when I um, went to college. So I stayed in Texas all the way 
like, you know, I was raised in Texas. Um, and then I moved out here to go to UC Santa Barbara. Mm. But at that same time, my family also moved out to San Luis Obispo County. Mm. So my dad is a scientist and his lab moved over to Cal Poly. So I have not gone back to Texas so much. I just go back for weddings and funerals, but I mm. don't um, go back there for like the holidays and stuff. How that do. that town where your parents live in, I'm going to butcher it in a moment here. We, uh, my last company had an office there, uh, St. Louis Obispo. They, yeah, they don't live in that that okay. city, but they live in that county. That's like the okay. nearest city to them. So it's called San Luis Obispo. Okay, that was close. And right. it's where Cal Poly is. Yeah, it's it's that's just the nearest big city though. So it's okay. I'm not personally offended. That you no, but I, I I worked at this company for four and a half years, and I butchered that probably ninety five percent of the time. It's like, well, you know, our big office in the area was Berkeley. Berkeley's easy to remember. Um, and then St. Louis Obispo. And I was like, every time I said it was like verbal diarrhea, I couldn't get the words out right. If you were Californian, it would just be easier for you, I think, because all of our towns are called something like that. It's true. It's true. So you're probably just not used to it in your Canadian my world. Can my Canadian world. Talk to us about your art. Um, how, did, how did you find... I guess your artistic, I don't know, voice is the right term or, or your, your kind of own artistic style. Is it just from your, from your surroundings, just stuff that you like? Um, any, anyone wants to take a look at her, uh, at, at your work, Mia? It's Mia Rosella is a grown-up or something like that? Yeah, my, my website is miarosellaisagrownup.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also on Instagram and I post some doodles of, over there. So you could find me on like Twitter or Instagram with at Mia Resella, R-E-S-E-L-L-A. But, um, I didn't think of myself as an artist for a really long time. So even before, like, when I was previously on the Geek and Sundry vlog channel being in front of camera, I was still like, oh, I'm a writer. It was even like up until that point when the internet started to first you know, I guess know me, I still didn't think of myself as an artist. And so it was only after that ended and I went back to grad school um, when I like started identifying as an artist because I thought that that was just like a side hobby. And I see people who had such good art on like deviant art and everything yep. that I wouldn't. I just felt like I don't want to call myself that because I'm not as good as them. Um, it's They have such technical skill. I've never taken any art classes until I went to grad school for animation and so I like didn't I just was like nope I, I'm not an artist I'm not an artist at all and then um when I had this like I had kind of like an epiphany in Disneyland one day because I have an annual pass holder the pass hole and I <laughs> was that's what they call them <laughs> so I hear um and I was like watching they have a theater in there the main street theater where they like play Steamboat Willie and Plane mm. Crazy and all these old um Black and white. Mickey Mouse yeah Ub Iwerks was the animator of those and like I really had the closest thing I've ever had to a religious experience while in there surrounded by that mm. and so I was like really moved and I knew that's what I needed to do and I went home and I applied to uh art school to animation grad school UCLA and I um had to like pull together i didn't know what my voice was i had to pull together a portfolio like i made it up as though i'd already had it and then i had to do my first storyboard so it was like really just in the last couple of years that i've been able to call myself an artist and find my voice because it's not my first true uh love or way of expressing myself but it's connected to it and i kind of got inspired by those 
um, shorts because it's really simplistic. And I think that's why I go towards cartoons because it's not, it's really minimalist. I love like geometric shapes. Mm. Yeah. really minimalist things and that could probably comes from the fact that I don't have not taken art classes and I don't know how to draw but I'm like I understand what looks good so I like automatically would just I could put shapes together mm-hmm. when when you start doodling and I this is something I always do and it was really interesting you mentioned the geometric state shapes I am not a good artist by any measure but when I do doodle I always draw in geometric shapes like I'll, I'll start with like a five or six sided shape and then I'll draw a triangle off of it and then you know squares and fill in the the, the space and I, I don't know why I doodle that way but I totally doodle in geometric shapes yeah I'm, I really do that a lot and I think it's also kind of an untrained thing to do That's, so yeah that makes sense it, yeah <laughs> it, it's it's like once I started taking classes and doing um life drawing and stuff you really draw from the inside out and you have to know the anatomy and you have to, especially important for animation even more so because you have to know how these things are going to move they're not going to just be sitting there like your impression of them mm-hmm. they're going to move around so like you want to draw from the inside out so you know how their body works mm-hmm. um and so like i didn't that was such a hard transition so now i think i like recognize that it's better to not draw shape wise and like draw from the inside out but Mm. I still like if I'm not thinking about it and I'm doodling that's just how it comes out because I think it's like if you're just not if you haven't taken those classes or like and looked at anatomy you're just looking at the outside and you're like looking at as a shape that you fill in Mm. Um, and then when you go to art school they like they're like forget everything you know think you know and learn this new way so in, in terms of your writing, you've done some writing on um, some, some web shows and, and uh, social medium is one of my personal favorites. Uh, I love those guys. Oh, aren't they the best? I mean, I, I... They're the best. When, when social media first became a thing, which I learned through uh, James uh, Brent Isaacs, uh, I know most people refer to him as Brent, but I have yet to have the pleasure. Um, but James Brent Isaacs, um, and, and I just, I, I started watching the show and there was something just really engaging about uh tara that 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 you know drew me in is like this is just someone that i want to watch and then you know she brought in kate who i knew from classic alice and uh, i just i absolutely loved the makeup of that show and then when i heard you guys were writing on season two i'm like oh i'm gonna really enjoy this it was so much fun and i got to write the saddest episode too i like called it immediately it was like i want to twist the knife. I always do that. Uh, like if, if there's, so like usually in the web series I've written on, we'll have these, our little writer's rooms and we'll like lay out the episodes mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll plot out kind of where the season's going and then mm-hmm. divide and then like assign the episodes. And mm-hmm. I always, if there's a sad one, I'm like, I want that one. What draws you towards uh, writing sad stories? I don't know. I think that's just being a weed in kid. <laughs> I think when you know there's something so satisfying about because I don't the stories I write or that I come up with are not inherently sad mm-hmm. necessarily but there's something like so satisfying about the way that Whedon makes you sad and the feelings the feels like the feels that you feel mm-hmm. like, I want to do that to somebody else because I kind of like how it hurts when he when he does it I don't know I gotta like how he makes you feel pain in not not a really straightforward way. It's just like there's parts of your 
there's just emotions you have in the human spectrum of emotion that you don't often get to feel. They're like complex. And I think, you you know, you're often going, which is funny because I like write for kids. So this is the opposite of that. But like these kind of complex combinations of different emotions. I like that. I was listening uh, to the latest episode of Tyrion's podcast, The Natural Born Quillers, and she was talking about how she kind of likes to uh, mess with her readers. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think and I think when I've when I thought about it, cause I, it's interesting you made that point is when you think of all my favorite uh, authors, it's like they draw out a very specific specific emotion in me. As an example, uh, George Martin brings out anger. That's what he does. He pulls anger out of me, and that's a raw emotion. And because he gets such a raw emotion, I read his stuff. Um, and, and you were saying you like uh, Terrell, you were saying that you like to, uh, to to mess with your readers a little bit. And it sounds like you know with Mia, you, you like to, you like to tell the sad stories in, in a proper way, a way that you know really spoke to you when you were younger. Um, or I guess maybe even now. Um, yeah, I definitely still read things that are intended for children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like when, when you're writing, do you, I mean, you were saying that, you know, it's, it's the Whedon in you, do you, do you know that this is something that you're, you're strong at and you're like, this is what I want to focus on or it's just naturally that's how you, you, you tell your stories? It's, um, I, it must be just a natural thing but I think that like when I try to write those sad parts it's because I that is just the Whedon in me it's pure selfishness because I know that the stories that I come up with are not like um, necessarily sad on the surface so I write I do write with a focus for kids and animation and um, the things that I loved as a kid were things that like where the wild things are um, Shel Silverstein's poetry like, you know, Jim Henson stuff, they really don't talk down to you. And there's re- there are complex emotions that are just distilled in like this pure way that only you can only read in a children's book or you can only see in, a, in animation or a children's show. It's just so pure mm-hmm. and it's not bogged down with the details of like adult life. So I think that that just comes from that and not necessarily. And my voice just happens to be suited for children's. Uh, media or stories but I think that if you're writing in that realm it's naturally going to come out in like this very distilled way how about you Terrilyn how how is it how's that whole concept with you as well yeah look I, I totally understand that and to follow on what I do say natural born quiller I should probably explain <laughs> messing with people it's that sense of I I want my reader or my viewer to feel something. So I don't want them just to have a story and go, yeah, that was okay. I, I want to, yeah, make them angry or I want to make them sad or I want to make them think. So that's why, that's why I often write endings, especially that aren't, um, you know, the precedent, it's not predictable. It's always going to be something different because that's what life is about. We don't go through life knowing exactly what's going to happen. Suddenly something really good or really terrible is going to happen. And then you have to learn to deal with it. So I think that's mm-hmm. in a sense, yeah, why I like to shake it up a little bit even though I know the readers will get frustrated with me it's worth it (laughs) it's almost like your responsibility as an author to mess with them right like that your writing is kind of instructive on how the how to view the world around you so if it's all smooth sailing like what's what's gonna happen like what good is that yeah and it's strangely satisfying too when you do do something Mm -hmm. that's not the norm (laughs) I can see that I can see that Joey Hi. There you got some is. rapid fire for us? <laughs> well, I'm surprised you didn't ask the Padawan writer here how hey, I like to the do The floor is writing. yours, Padawan. 
I feel kind of like offended now. It's because we can't see you. You've just got a picture. I've already explained this. I'm not defending myself. No, let's talk about the pictures some more so everyone listening feels left out. <laughs> how what do you more write, is there to talk about this picture? <laughs> Let, let's transition into how do you like to write, Joey? Uh, well, Tierlin can attest uh, to this, but the way that I like to write, even each chapter of anything that I write, I... I like it to kind of come off like it's uh, episodic, much in the way that, like, you know, an hour-long drama, 42 minutes or whatever, is kind of, like, episodic, in a sense. So every single chapter is like, oh, it's kind of like I'm reading a miniseries, but it's one book. Each chapter is its own episode, even though I'm, it's, it's like they're binge-watching Netflix, but they're binge-watching <laughs> through the words on the yeah. paper, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I totally get that. Hmm. I do, too. Well, I'm glad this little Murloc's gonna grow up one day. Well, because I I I focus on like um, screen and television writing, like especially TV writing. So I'm like, oh yeah, for sure, binge watching is my life. Uh, but it's funny because in kids TV, like it is, it's more episodic, and I just personally like binge watching more. So it's this like weird line where you have to kind of work it in. Because in kids TV, it just tends to be less episodic since. Um, like, if they're really young kids, they're just kind of watching it wherever they watch it, and they're not, like, sitting down to Netflix and going through a season. I, I have a major problem with my writing, and, and it's that I cannot... Well, the, the short version of it is I can't write women. I just can't do it. And, and whenever I ask uh, people for suggestions, they're like, write... write You're part as, of the problem. I know I'm part of the problem. <laughs> That's why I don't release anything, because I'm like, is, is this as bad as it? They're like, yeah, it's as bad as you think. I'm like, oh, and they're like, you just, you don't write women right and I'm like well how do I do that they're like they are just a person remember mm -hmm. that and I'm like no that is not helping me if I if I've heard that a hundred times <laughs> because you have like a because you, you're in your head about it probably so probably it help. I can't get past it though so um, yeah and, and have you tried writing them like a like a man and then changing the character retroactively mm -hmm. to a woman I haven't but that's a good exercise I have not tried that uh, apparently, I don't do Some young people recommend that and I don't do what? young people very well either. I do old people well. And I'm like, really, I can only relate to the people of my own generation. Great. Wonderful. But uh, I, anyway, so I, I am beyond, I am way before Padawan. I'm a I'm a youngling, if you will. Um, <laughs> I would I would love to read your character of a young kid, though, who is like at heart a grumpy old person. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that. It's, I think in my I head, think it's a great character. In, in my head, I always get these kind of Wonder Years kind of stories playing out, or the nostalgic time. Where, like I, I tried to do a thing where it was a guy who is just sick and tired of the whole world dating through technology, that he wanted to learn, to, to kind of go back to the roots, to date the way dating used to be, go to the bar and meet the girl. And of course, he, he keeps running into the fact that nobody dates like that anymore. It's they're on their Tinders, they're on this. And, and, and anyone who read it was just like, this is so insulting. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me just wheel this into the let's never talk about this category and then bring it up on the podcast randomly. Moving on. Joey, you got some uh, rapid fire? <laughs> I, it was, I was interested in it. You know, it shouldn't be ashamed. Well, it I sounded like it had potential to be funny. It's yeah. got a good concept. I still believe I just can't do it. It's Anyway, maybe one day. Joey, rapid fire. <laughs> save me. Save me. I know. You, you kept trying to have him do the rapid fire, and I'm like, no, no, let's talk about this some more, Blair. Let's pay attention to you. 
She's like, no, Blair, you're you're on the long couch. You know, we've talked about like all of your dreams and aspirations. Now we're gonna get into your deeper feelings of consciousness here. I charge five hundred an hour. It's all good. <laughs> There's a Venmo request coming at you. <laughs> it's funny because I'm not generally somebody who's who's shy or whatnot, but when it comes to art related things, I am because I've always just never felt I'm very good at any of the art artistic stuff. So and and it's just weird for me to have that kind of fear that that in most of my other life I don't have so uh, I mean it's good it's it made me grow as a person but it's yeah. terrifying <laughs> look the more you put it out there the easier it gets back in high school I had a high school teacher who told me I couldn't sing or write songs and he was practically a bully so for years and years and years I thought that I couldn't sing and I thought that I couldn't write songs and it's only been the last couple of years I've started to get confident and now I've been in the top five of Australia for songwriting and I sing for a living. So it just goes to show that the more you do it and if you can just push aside that kind of insecurity and that fear, then you just get more and more confident with it because I think you are talented in everything that you do, Blair. So just don't listen to the voice in your head. Keep doing what you're doing and start showing me some stuff and change your women characters to men and then change them back (laughs) to women and then you'll have it. And then change them back. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Okay, I know we have to do rapid fire, but I was just like, no, I just wanted to take a moment to encourage Blair because (laughs) I know the feeling for sure. um, And that Terilyn is totally right, that it will just become easier. And Mm. because if it's like about the story, I'm sorry, now I'm like being preachy to you. But (laughs) like when I'm having like ego problems with um, my writing, then it's if you have it such a pure reason for telling the story it's easier because you're like it's not about me uh-huh. or like my writing the story i see the story as like a outward like an external thing and i'm like serving it and i'm like no i really need to tell this story because the story wants to do this and it wants to be seen and it wants to be read and like i want to do this for this personal reason and that makes it easier i'm getting very preachy it's fine <laughs> it's not preachy it's intelligent. There's a difference. <laughs> Thank you, Robin Williams character number 47. <laughs> All right, Miss Doubtfire, <laughs> let's go. All right, so the way that Rapid Fire works is, at least the way it works now, is throughout uh, the podcast recording, I write down a bunch of random questions based on some of the stuff that you've discussed, and then I ask them back to you. So here we go. I have five plus one additional bonus for you. What movie have you not seen but you're afraid to see jaws Ooh, can i ask why because i go in the ocean a lot and i don't want to be scared of a giant shark (laughs) (laughs) i I, because you know when you're in the ocean and you you can't see anything because the ocean it's filthy and like a a seaweed touches your leg and then you freak out and scream and run inside unless that's just me um, I don't want to be scared more than I am of going in. The, I love going in the ocean. It's all good because when I first saw Jaws and then I, we used to go swimming at the lake back in Maine where I used to live, you can, even with goggles on, you can only see so far in the water and where the darkness is beyond where the, the light doesn't reflect back. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's something out there. I have to get out of the water. Yeah, trust me. I'm totally there with you. Have you ever scuba dived anyone? Mm. No, nope. I have not really scoop. I have done the uh, snorkeling. That's what it's called, snorkeling. I've snorkeled. 
So scuba dive. I actually got. I got. Sorry, go ahead, Terlyn. You, you're by the reef. You get to win. <laughs> no, no, I've never gone scuba diving. My student uh, does scuba diving professionally, though. And last year, she was actually lost at sea, and they thought that was it because oh. it was. Yeah, she was only sixteen. She's seventeen now, and they went to Palau, and the boat carried them out for them to go under. When they surfaced the boat was gone. He just left them there in the middle of the ocean. So they Jeez. had to drop all their equipment. They lost everything. And they, well, I'm getting like emotional thinking about it, which is so sad. She said that she sang to them because they all accepted that look. They're probably going to die. They were dehydrated. They were exhausted. They're all trying to hold on to one another just to try and stay afloat. And then finally, after about six, four to six hours, uh, another boat came by and yeah, absolutely horrific. So I'm a little turned off scuba diving. <laughs> that is that, so scary. That yeah. is horrible. I mean, I, I'm certified in the in. Well, I guess I haven't scuba in a while, but um, I mean, it's a very tight community. Divers like they they it, yeah. it, they very much are, are are tight and they look after each other. The fact that a boat would cut bait like that, ugh, that actually disgusts me. Uh, horrific. Um, the re- yeah. The reason I brought it up is where, I mean, we were trained in pools up here because everything is so clear and it's easy to get and give instruction. And then to be certified, you have to do all of this stuff in open water. Well, they took us to a very clear lake to do the open water. It was very cold, but we were able to do all the stuff and we were certified. Yay, hooray, move on. The very, the very first few times I actually tried uh, scuba diving up in, in the lakes here in Canada, I couldn't see shit. Because of all the sediment that gets kicked up from everything, I literally could not see my my hand beyond my hand's reach. Uh, you know, anywhere I could barely see below me, I could barely see above me, behind me, nothing. And I remember I was just kind of floating there one day, and a big fish. I wasn't even paying attention. I turned around, and it was just right on my mask. <laughs> and I, and all these yeah. bubbles went up, and and uh, I came, I, I, I ascended, and I was like, "What?" And they're like, "I'm like big fish." They're like, isn't that what you were going down there to see? And I remember going, oh, yeah. Well, it, that's what's so scary about the waters is not being, it's like being scared of the dark is not being able to see anything you can't see. Yeah. That's yeah. what could have been so good about Lady in the Water just to bring it full circle mm. to M. Night Shyamalan. There you go. <laughs> well, speaking of not, of, of like being afraid of the dark, I still, I want to see it, but I'm still afraid to see Lights Out. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't, want to see it, I don't but I'm too watch scared to watch movies. it. Active imagination. Yeah, I don't want. I've I've already feel like I have a trouble distinguishing fantasy from reality, and I don't want to add horror <laughs> oh, into the I feel mix. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're all nerds. We've bought into realities that don't exist to like mm-hmm. up to a very high level, uh-huh. and so, and so I don't want to add that in because. Like, I'm really logical. My parents were scientists. They're very pra- Like, daytime Mia is very practical, but nighttime Mia is 100% sure that there are ghosts everywhere, just like swarms of ghosts. Have you heard of... Do you have a ghost story? Have you heard of the black-eyed children? They are terrifying. I, black-eyed I, children. No. Are these children, right? No, no. no they stand outside. <laughs> You're going to give her nightmares. Apparently. No. This is, this is what you get for shitting on her earlier. Yeah. I know. This is the revenge. No, no. Look, I legitimately had a fear of these black-eyed children for a good year. I couldn't get out of bed because I kept thinking they'd be there. Allegedly, and people have actually spoken about meeting these kids, these black-eyed children will stand outside your door or your window asking to be let in and they have black eyes and if you let them in 
suddenly all these bad things will start happening to you. Like you'll have a car accident or your house will catch on fire or something like that. And if you say no to them, they'll just start like screaming and banging on the door saying, let me in. And yeah, terrified. Uh. By far. <laughs> oh, you my mummy. <laughs> by yeah, far the, right? the scariest thing in any horror film, children, by far. Yeah. I, nothing, nothing else gets to me except for children in, in horror flicks. I could never have a child, I think, purely because of this reason. Like, if you go on, you know, like Reddit, no sleep or something like that, and it's the stories that people tell of their children doing the creepiest things. They'll be like, oh, I made a friend today. He died 20 years ago, and his name is this. I would, like, I would lose it. I would would not go, okay, my child has an active imagination. I'd be like, everyone, like, didn't listen in the movie when the kid said there was a ghost and then they all died so we're gonna have to move and we'd move like every three months and the kid is always very well spoken aren't they they always (laughs) almost have an english Mm -hmm. accent uh poltergeist (laughs) always with the little british kids absolutely oh no you know what other okay what other kid in the movie freaked me out even to this day and that is the little boy in pet cemetery still haven't seen that one I haven't uh, seen that one either, but yeah. I should. I, all I of want my friends to. I love talk Stephen about King. Pet Cemetery. Yeah. To this day, the one line I played with mommy. Now I want to play with you. <laughs> it's like but less that, that scary if you time. Say, if, just hearing you say it. So maybe I'll work my way onto it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next question is: If you could go back to school, what is it that you would go for? Oh, that's so hard. It's like I cheated because I did go back to school mm. for the thing I I wanted to go back for because I went originally for film and media studies and I just had, you know, just like a couple years ago went back for the thing. I really should have probably given myself, like, you know, let myself love, which is animation. Mm-hmm. So I did kind of, I lived the dream. Like it's just I cheated. It's a cop out, but it really is true. It just happened. This is the actual answer. If I could go back to school, I would go back for animation, and I did. Excellent. All right, here we go. If you had a gossip column, what would you call it? Ooh, I like that one. Oh. <laughs> Shit, me assist. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, just shade or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would I call it? I like. I would never, ever use a Mamma Mia pun in it because everyone makes that pun when they first meet me and they think they're really clever about it. But I feel like I never thought of it until you mentioned it. Oh, really? So, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, if you ever had kids, you could be called Mamma Mia. Or if you ever were a nun, you could be Mamma Mia. Like, it's every single time. Maybe if Um, I was born Italian. Who knows? I think it would be Mia doesn't know shit. And, and it would be like, I have a very specific experience of my life. Uh, like, I d- haven't dated a lot and things like that. And that's probably what people would ask about. And I, like, don't have a family. And people would ask all these, like, relationshipy questions. And I would have zero reference to what they're talking about. And it would be called Mia Doesn't Know Shit. There you go. Well, if it yeah. was, if it was like my shit random says. impression of how people's lives are without ever, without, with no reference to it. If it was shit Mia says, though, you could 
do it as SMS, kind of like, you know, text message, because you totally gossip with your girlfriends through text messages. Like, oh my god, did you see what that girl was wearing? It was so ratchet. That's so clever. Oh, Olympia Space know. Princess is here. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can't oh, yeah, imitate actually... you, Joey. I can't do that. Do you know what, though? I just realized, like, you're, it, you're saying gossip, but I was thinking of it more of, like, advice column. So I got to rethink it. Yeah, some, this is yeah. Th- this is not this ask is Phoebe. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking you were asking. Okay, gossip. Um, we're talking like Perez Hilton, TMZ. Yeah. Yeah, where you can really talk some shade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it needs to have the word shade in it. Uh, <gasps> it could still be SMS. Shade Mia says. Ooh, shade Mia says. Or yeah, yeah. Dang it, where, I wish I could be like, shit, Mia Shades. That doesn't work. <laughs> that just sounds wrong. It sounds really bad. Or <laughs> Shade Mia Shits is even worse. Um, sh- yeah, I don't know. Sh- I think Shade by Mia. That's it. It's as Ooh, advertised. Like it. It's as advertised. It's like a perfume. Shade by, by Mia. Mia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. If you could write for TV or film, which one would you prefer? TV. And why? Um, I I feel like I am cheating on these questions because I'm like, this is my job. <laughs> I'm doing the thing I like. I like TV more because it's collaborative and um, I like the fast deadlines. I like the life. It's a lifestyle choice largely because if you write for features, you're like really isolated like you novelists over here. Um, it's like very takes a long time and you're isolated. You'll, you know, it's still collaborative, but, um, I think I love how much more collaborative TV is and I work better with like tighter deadlines. Like I'm such a workaholic that I love working in TV because it's like, as soon as you finish something, then there's the next thing you can never rest. And you work yourself so hard that if you do get a vacation, you can properly rest because you feel like, ah, I earned it. And I just like, like that fast. I feel like my, most of my creativity comes out with like a really quick deadline and not as much of this long percolating idea process. Mm, I agree. <laughs> no, I actually really like that answer. Um, because, and I, because I agree about the whole collaborative thing. Uh, so quick side story to just to attach to that, just so I can, just want to share it. Uh, I used to belong to a charmed website. Uh, it was a, a fan site and they had a bunch of the fans collectively get together and they wrote a season nine because it, wow. the show ended at season eight. So they they wrote a season nine like they had they it had like twenty two episodes. What and they collaboratively did? Yeah, they did like the twenty two episodes in script format and whatnot. It was kind of like a loose script though. Well, then they decided they were going to do one more, and I got to get onto that team. But they got so okay. First of all, they got so pissed at me because. I used to study movie scripts like movie scripts, the way that you would see them, like exterior, interior, and all that stuff. Yeah. So all of that stuff is included, and they, they kept getting angry at me because it came out to like a 60-page document because <laughs> of all of the extra stuff. But um, That's how it would be, though, probably. Yeah, but they weren't sure where how they were going to get something to happen, and I had come up with the idea of, well, you still don't have a new source, and the way that they had written it was Magic had evolved to a new level of something and there was still no there was no underworld they had basically 
cemented it magically in the last season the way that they had written it so the demonic world is looking for a new way to have an underworld and i'm like well you have the wasteland it's like wide open space for moving in and they're like well who would be the source i'm like you still have the uh, the new four horsemen of the apocalypse and they're like well how would we do this and then it came out to be the, the best thing i wrote in two days <laughs> i was like i got to do three more episodes for their fan season it was great so i i actually enjoy writing scripting more than i do noveling so i'm right yeah, there with you. you you really like like hit the tooth, the collaborative part and the the speed part. Those are that's like ah, uh, it's so great. It's like natural high. I love it. It's so fun to hash out the problems with somebody else, and they're they're not really your. And then it is a way of making it really about the story and not about you. It it feels like you're all working together to kind of like birth this child, and then the fact that it's happening so quickly because I'm like a big second guesser. So I kind of have that weakness when I'm doing f- movies and when it's TV, if, if, if there's some kind of like deadline, I it's more natural. Like it's whatever that that crazed idea, like with this charm script, like whatever the crazed idea that you wouldn't have normally thought of, it always happens in like the ninth inning, you know? Exactly. All right, so I had one more question. Unfortunately, I'm going to skip that one, so I'm going to go to the bonus question <laughs> uh, because unfortunately one of our co-hosts has to, has to leave. go teach, sadly. But I'll, I'll ask you afterwards. It's totally fine. All right, so last but not least, how freaking amazing is the Team Human moderator Toronto gal. Oh, I knew that was the bonus question because I listened before and I noticed a <laughs> she pattern. She did her homework. Amazing. So amazing. I think it is great uh, when people are proactive and supportive human beings. And also I love Canadians and the Toronto isn't the name. So there's that. <laughs> Blair, yeah. <laughs> I have a weird like uh, like how other people exoticize like uh, like my culture, I just like exoticize Canadians. I think they're the best people. <laughs> I'll take it, and I agree. So <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Mia, where can we find you on the socials? You can find me um, at Mia Rosella on Twitter and Instagram, and I have a Facebook page um, where I will. I also post some of the stuff I'm doing. I'm a writer in the Nick Writing Program, and I post like stuff that I'm doing there. Um, or you can go to my website, miarosellaisagrownup.com. You can you can argue with me on Twitter about the Dark Knight, and I won't <laughs> respond. I'll flat out ignore you, probably. <laughs> Come at me, Lego Bros. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just I'm just too scared to respond. It's not meant to be an insult to you if you try to argue with me. I'm just like I don't think I'll ever win this. No. So. <laughs> I mean, art speaks to different people in different ways, and that's it's subjective. There you go. I want to thank Mia for joining us here today. I also want to thank Joey and Tierland for being amazing co-hosts as always. And until next time, guys, take care. You can find Blair on Twitter at Blair Beverage, Webisode Watch, and WhoPod. His Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash Blair Beverage, where he streams Friday evenings at 9pm Eastern Standard Time. You can also find him on YouTube. Just search his name. That's him. Finally, you can catch him playing the Goblin Shaman in the web series Basic Adventuring 101, which can be found on basicadventuring101.com. You can find Joey on Twitter at joeycouture underscore, because someone already stole it, on YouTube as Joey Couture, and you can also find him on Etsy, Joey Couture Geek Chic. You can find Tyrolin at TizThunder on Twitter, Tyrolin Puxty on YouTube, Tyrolin Puxty on Facebook, and I'm pretty much floating around everywhere. 
T-Y-R-O-L-I-N-P-U-X-T-Y. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.